Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the new Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. And this is our Trades and Deep Draft Targets Edition. We're going to be talking about a lot of things happening over the last week in the NFL, including some blockbuster trades, including Brandon Cooks moving from the New England Patriots to the Rams, something that we didn't expect to happen, as it looked like the Rams were making a push to get OBJ this last week. So this will have some significant impact on the draft moving forward as well as what the uh, Rams will look like next year. Uh, we'll also be talking about some other uh, free agent pickups, some other signings, some other trades, and, of course, some deep draft targets. And, of course, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention up front that we are still conducting our annual, this is our fourth annual, online Twitter mock draft. And this time we have the help of those at Beer Fuel Fantasy Football Podcast. Both Nick and Chris are picking there, and we have... Ray and Wally over at the Urban Sports Scene, also picking on our Rock Mock uh, Draft, and it's uh, been really great. We're almost there. We're announced the last pick, so follow us on Twitter at uh, hashtag FGT Mock Draft. Again, hashtag FGT Mock Draft, and we'll be able to, uh, and we'll get to all that information together in an article as well, where each of those who have made picks will be putting in the reasons why they made the pick. So it should be really interesting, particularly getting insights from those guys at the Beer Fuel fantasy football podcast and at the urban sports team podcast so uh tune in for that check back at the site and uh and, and check that out i think it'll be a lot of fun so today we're going to take a look at a, uh, at a couple things like i said brandon cooks we're going to talk about him we're going to talk about uh rg3 coming back to the nfl that's going to be really interesting to look at we're going to look at uh, a couple others uh, that are that have moved around in the nfl and we're going to talk about how that impacts the draft because, of course, that will have a significant impact on the draft moving forward. And last but not least, we're going to talk about some draft targets uh, deeper in the draft, so third round or later, that we think might be worth uh, an eye, keeping an eye on. Because these are guys that we think may be difference makers uh, come the beginning of the 2018 season that may be overlooked by teams in the uh, first couple rounds of the draft. So let's Let's go ahead, and with that said, let's go ahead and get things started. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about is Brandon Cooks. So if you missed it, and I suspect you didn't miss it, there is a lot of to do with a huge trade on April on April 3rd, and that was the uh, trade between the New England Patriots and the, and the Los Angeles Rams for Brandon Cooks. And ultimately what happened was New England sent Cooks and a fourth round pick to Los Angeles for the Rams first and sixth round picks. So that would leave the Patriots with two first round picks, the 23rd overall pick, as well as the 31st overall pick. And that would leave the Rams in a situation where they might've gotten their number one receiver. So Ryan, I you know obviously everyone knows you're a big Pats guy, and you you know that Pats organization uh, as well as anybody. You know what are your thoughts here on the Patriots moving Brandon Cooks and then collecting draft picks here? It sounds like a Billichekian thing to do, but do you think this is something that's going to help the team in the long run, or do you think this is going to be a uh, a significant impact on the passing core for the Patriots? 
Well, first of all, <laughs> I'll I'll come and fire in here. Uh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't expect any less. <laughs> you said the Rams might have found their number one receiver uh, in who? Uh, Brandon Cooks proved one thing last year. Now, I think he was extremely underrated in New England. I think that the local media was uh, far too critical of a guy who had 1,000 yards. Brandon Lloyd suffered a similar fate here in 2012. Um, but with that said, Brandon Cooks is not a number one receiver. You saw every time Gronk uh, and Amendola were out, when, when the Patriots were – and I'm drawing a blank on the game specifically, but there was a couple games this year where Cooks was really – oh, the, the one that comes to mind the biggest, the, the Miami game. Um, after Gronk's suspension, after the, the hit in Buffalo. And they needed Cooks to beat one-on-one coverage, and Hogan was the shell of himself. He tried to come back a week early from injury. And Cook couldn't beat number one coverage. He's not, he's not that guy. That's not him. He's not going to be able to shift defenses himself and, and be the, you know, the, the, a true number one wide receiver. Um, so with that said, I mean, you know, I, I would like to pre, uh, call this take my own, but a couple guys at work kind of bounced this idea around. And the, the, the Rams are starting to feel like the 20, I think it was the 2011 Eagles, whatever year Vince Young called them the dream team, where it feels <laughs> like, yeah, there's a lot of talent, and they, were, and they were good last year, but you've also added a lot of questionable you know, people. Marcus Peters, uh, Akib Tlaib, and Dominican Sue. And while Brandon Cooks is not a character issue, he's just a guy that I think is being sold as somebody he's not. Now, you know, the – He's the youngest guy in t- under 25 to have whatever it is, you know, 3,000-yard receiver or, three, or one of the youngest guys under – he's in, like, the class of Randy Moss, and I forget who else, for being guys under 25 with 3,000-yard seasons. And um, he's, definitely, he's definitely got big playability, but if you're counting on him to be your number one guy, you know, I don't think that's it. Uh, on the Patriots side, I think it is a blow, though, because, you know, Gronk is injury-prone. Edelman's – 32 coming off a torn ACL and uh, the reason Malcolm uh, yeah Malcolm Mitchell fell to the fourth rounds of the Patriots two years ago was because the injury concerns and those injury concerns have popped up he's had an, he's had injuries both years for the Patriots Hogan's a good receiver but he's, he's also you know like a number three guy you don't have Amendola anymore you lost the uh, Deion Lewis so you know from a Patriots standpoint I don't love how they're shaping up <laughs> as a weapon standpoint on the <laughs> offense but with the picks, I know we've talked about this on Twitter, you know, the, the Patriots, they've only have, what is it? Yeah, they've, they've only had one guy picked in the first two rounds over the last two years because they lost the pick in 2016 for cheating, and they lost, uh, and then last year they, punt, uh, they traded out of the second round and they traded their first rounder for Cooks. So they got to get some young players in here. The only guy they've drafted in the top two rounds in the last two years is Cyrus Bleeping Jones. Um, so the last really... <laughs> you know, number one pick they've had was Malcolm Brown, who, you know, how I feel about taking defensive tackles in the first round, as good as Malcolm Brown is at, at what he does. So they got to get some transformative players. I've cited the 2012 draft. They need to have a draft where they get a high tower slash uh, Chandler Jones type player. Um, I don't want them moving up to take a quarterback. I given the Patriots uh, draft record and receivers, which particularly in the first round, see Bethel Johnson, Chad Jackson, uh, Taylor Price, I can go on over the over the years, the, the bad receivers they've drafted. Um, the only thing, the only way the Patriots are allowed to package those two picks and move up is if they go get Bradley Chubb. Uh, outside of that, uh, they, need to, they need to stock this defense with, uh, with, with multiple bodies in the first uh, two rounds here. Right, right. So I, I will also mention the fact that, I mean, 
But I remember last year when Brandon Cooks came over, you were relatively excited about him coming into the system, and he didn't really turn out the way we thought he was going to turn out. But I, I will mention this. I don't know if he has to be a true number one receiver in Los Angeles. They were actually very successful with Robert Woods uh, last year. I know he's not a big name or anything, but you know, honestly, with just 12 games played, he had 781 yards and five touchdowns. He was trending up pretty well. Uh, he was averaging uh, you know, almost 70 yards per game. Uh, it's not something to lose sight of, I think, that if you play Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks on the outside and you play Cooper Cup, uh, a very promising slot receiver, uh, kind of you know, out of the slot as, you, as, you, as he's intended to, and you got Josh Reynolds there as a potential X factor at wide receiver four. You know, there is some there. I think it is. I don't think it's a dream team. I don't think it's as far as uh, well, you know, comparing it to the Eagles. But I think that there. And I, and I know what you're saying that this is kind of it was kind of an overstatement. But I think that this is actually a legitimate, solid receiving core with Brandon Cooks there. I think they are, they are definitely better with him than without him because really what he's replacing is Sammy Watkins, and we already know what Sammy Watkins is, um, and we <laughs> and we know how you feel about Sammy Watkins. So I think actually. This is a good move for them because who were they going to draft in the first round anyway? You know, I mean, they were, they're probably going to, they, maybe they were going to draft a, 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 a they, maybe they're going to draft some more defense. You know, I, I'm not really sure what they were going to do in the first round. I know that we had, we had predicted in our mock draft before this trade pulled off that it was going to be a uh, defense. Uh, but, you know, who knows what would happen and that would be a real significant impact on them. I think Braden Cooks has a has potential to make impact on them. I'll mention offline though. I mean, just kind of on the side, uh, Trey Nicholas, the uh, tight end, from uh, Notre Dame is actually signed by the Patriots today to a one-year contract. You know, they, they could do things with tight ends. They haven't been able – they've been kind of missing on that second tight end for a while now. Maybe he's the guy that can step up and do something. That would be cool to see, on, in, my, uh, in my opinion. So what do you think this means uh, as far as other people in the draft? I mean, th- if, if you have – if you're thinking about the, uh, the Patriots staying where they are, kind of shoring up defense, maybe a little bit of offensive line – um, do you think that this impacts anything else in the draft? Because it sounds like to me that just moving the Patriots in there at 23 is, is basically going to be the same as what the Rams would have done in 23 anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't think it impacts a lot. I mean, again, I know that you know a lot of rumors out there flying with the Patriots move to get a quarterback, and I just don't think they're going to do that. Um, somebody on the radio on the way home was saying that by the ESPN draft chart that uh, if the Patriots move the 23rd, 31st, and 43rd pick that they have, combine that, um, that that's the, the same value as taking a guy in the top five. So they could okay. do that. If they do something like that and, again, go up and target a Bradley Chubb, then I think that shifts some things. But I just don't think that's the Patriots' style. I just – well, I know it's not the Patriots' style. they they much rather <laughs> have draft flexibility. Um, yeah. One of the underscored things is Belichick really, really, really dislikes the idea of – you know, with the way that uh, the pay scales are in the in the draft, um, that getting a guy in the top ten is is a much more uh, cumbersome prospect than than getting somebody of somewhat equal value at twenty three, who you can have for for less money and more control. So mm-hmm. I think the Patriots stand pat. I think they go after. I think they go after defensive defensive bodies. But I don't think it shifts a lot of a lot of what you're going to see on draft day. Um, but with this team, I've, I've been wrong before. So, you know, this, uh, <laughs> this offseason has been as unpredictable from the Patriots as right. I've ever seen. So, I mean, yeah. your, your guess is as good as mine. Well, let me, I'll mention one other Pat's piece of information, and I'll move on before people think this is a Pat's, uh, Pat's podcast. But um, it looks like um, uh, there's also, uh, let's see here, your old quarterback, Matt Castle, there uh, got signed by the, uh, by the Lions to be the backup. Uh, so, I don't know if. 
I mean, that's that's a connection with Matt Patricia or not, but uh, Matt Castle seems to always find work. I'm not sure how he does it, but he seems to always find work. Let me talk about another guy who's been out of the limelight for quite some time now. RG3 actually just today signed a one-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens to back up Joe Flacco, and quite frankly, Flacco has been very underwhelming over the last two seasons, last season being really, really bad, and they've just remodeled their entire uh, uh, their entire receiving core. Um, you know, they've recently acquired Michael Crabtree. They got they recently acquired John Brown. Um, so there is some potential here for their receiving core to be improved. And if Joe Flacco doesn't improve, what do you think your chances? What do you think the chances are that RG three ends up seeing the field again? Zero. Um, I don't. I don't think <laughs> wow. they're gonna. If, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make the move on from Flacco, a guy that won you Super Bowl, I don't think it's for RG three. Now, if they drafted a kid, you know, high up then I could see his, his job being in jeopardy. But they, you know, RG3 is a guy who can barely find work. He's, he's completely washed up early in his career. And there was no bigger RG3 in the, uh, you know, RG3 fan than me. In the, you know, if we had had this podcast right. back in 2012, I'd have been pounding right. the table telling you how overrated Andrew Luck was. And the RG3 is the future of football. And the pistol offense is the is the next uh, big wave in the NFL. And then defenses figured that out after one year and started pounding him. And he's never been the same since. So, um, yep. you know, I don't think RG3 presents any kind of threat to Joe Flacco. Uh, the the yeah, big I... issues, the receivers we talked about coming in and out. Uh, I forget who tweeted this out, but uh, some national reporter tweeted this out a couple years ago and said it's the annual revolving door that is um, the, the Ravens trying to figure out their receiving core. Never <laughs> seen a team. Uh, throw more money or draft picks at a problem to not find a single result except for Steve Smith in the last 10 years. So um, <laughs> that should tell you I need to know about the, the Baltimore situation on offense. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mess over there. And uh, interesting, interested to see, though, if this does make any sort of difference at all. Uh, talking about wide receivers, there's another free agent wide receiver floating around that still hasn't found work. That's Jordan Matthews. Uh, really not really no impact over the last year since he went to the uh, to the Bills. Um, because of injury and because of all sorts of other things. But he's still out there, and he's visiting a lot of people. He's visiting the Packers. He visited the Cardinals. He has now visited uh, the, uh, t- the Tennessee Titans as well. What are your thoughts on Jordan Matthews? Anything left in the tank here, and do you see any type of fit with either the Titans, Packers, or Cardinals? I mean, if you judge uh, anybody besides LaShawn McCoy on their work in Buffalo, um, I think that's a dangerous game. So, right. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not. Too, I don't think he's done. Um, you know, the Jordan Matthews. The the problem with him is the same problem he's always had. He he just drops the ball. He's got stone hands. So, um, you know, I think he's worth the low risk flyer. Brandon LaFell put it together for one year in New England, and that was a guy who historically had drop issues in uh, in Carolina. I mean, it's kind of interesting that the the one year he played on a the one good year he ever had was 2014 the deflate gate year where the ball's easier to catch i wonder if that's a coincidence <laughs> but um but you know my point is that he's somebody who can create separation and has the skill set that he does if he can ever put it together for a year catching the ball you know i, I don't think that the rest of the skills have diminished i just think that um but you know buffalo is not a passing offensive tyrod taylor or hasn't been the last couple of years so right. i mean look at as much as i said kelvin benjamin there's something wrong with him um, I never doubted his his uh, his ability to put up numbers, and you see what he was once he went to Buffalo. So, um, right. no, I, I'm surprised he's still out there when when other when other guys have been able to find work who I would uh, who I would call um, you know uh, less valuable. Less but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I would I would sooner take a chance on Jordan Matthews than I would on Sammy Watkins because you know what Sammy Watkins is. So 
Right. Um, and that and that boy got paid. So if I, you know, Jordan Matthews deserves the job, so I'm surprised he's still out there, and I think he'll find work. And he was hosted, and I, I left this out intentionally because I didn't want I didn't want it to, to jade your view of this. But he was hosted by the Patriots two days ago as well. How do you feel about that? Would you want Matthews to be signed? Oh God, yes, I, please. I'll, I'll go. I'll go to Kenny Britt's house and pack his bags for him. Uh, <laughs> but but unfortunately, unfortunately, Belichick's like Kenny Britt for a long time. There's the the St. Louis connection to McDaniel's, and he's a Greg Gianna Rutgers guy. So. Um, unfortunately, right. I, I think Kenny Britt's here to stay. But please, give me give me Jordan give me Jordan Matthews and get that bum out of here. <laughs> all right, all right. I think that's all we got on the uh, recent trade moves and the free agency news. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on that segment. Let's move on to the next segment, and it's our deep draft targets. These are targets in the NFL draft in the third round or later. So Ryan, I'm going to jump over to you first. Uh, I got a couple in my back pocket as well, but why don't you go ahead and get us started? Who's the uh, first deep draft target that you think uh, might be worth keeping an eye on come draft day? So the fun part about looking at guys this late in the draft is that I have absolutely no idea how to pronounce most of their names. So I'm gonna <laughs> right. I'm gonna do my best here. Uh, but the first guy I got is a guy who I actually think might be due uh, for for a uh, for a position change. Um, But I'm looking at to gray scales in Indiana Um, inside linebacker uh, six. You know, the reason why I say that I think he might be suited to be moved is I would move him outside. So he's six foot, 230 pounds. So there are some size concerns for playing, you know, a a middle linebacker in the NFL. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think he's a versatile guy. One of the best things about him is he, he was a leader in that locker room for Indiana um, he's a really good character guy from everyone says, just a real leader's leader, which is why I think he does play the middle because typically, you know, your captain's going to be either a safety or a middle linebacker. It's usually not somebody on the outside, but right. um, he's got, he's got pretty good cover skills in space. He's athletic. He, uh, he does well fighting off blocks. Um, you know, as far as, you know, when, he, when he's spreading, he's, a, you know, so meaning like, you know, if he's in the box and getting hit by guards and stuff, um, that's where he can be a bit exposed and that size can be exposed. But if he's on the outside, he'll be able to shut off pulling guards and tackles, you know, guys who are in, in open space like that. He's a real instinctive guy. Um, you know, they say that he's got a, he's, you know, his guessing, his guessing ability and his ability to read and identify plays early and shoot gaps um, is actually pretty, pretty high. So um, this is a guy projected to go somewhere in like the fourth to sixth round. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that he could be, Similar to uh, uh, a Jamie Collins, and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going Patriots on this podcast here. So just wow. uh, I know people like him, but shut up and sit down. Um, but you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think that's the kind of you know he's kind of a, a, an athletic project a little bit. Um, but a, but the, the difference between him and Jamie is he seems to be a real leader um, and a real team kind of guy. So I think he's he's somebody that if you can get in the fourth round or beyond um, would be a good addition to your linebacking core. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and as far as places where he could land, uh, I would actually say that the, the Colts could use him, probably the Redskins. I think the Ravens really could use him as well. So there's a lot of landing spots here. Chargers, another place they could potentially end up. Uh, a lot of places where uh, they could could benefit from his services right out the gate. So I, I do agree with that. Um, so let's go ahead and do your next guy. Who's the next guy you got on your list? Yeah, so um, my next guy is a receiver out of Iowa State. Now, I'll ask you right now, uh, Hakun. Uh, would you guess that he's over or under six foot one? Knowing my my propensity for receivers, <laughs> I'm gonna go of over. 
Yes, you are right. He is 6'4", <laughs> 227, and that is my kind of guy. Um, so his biggest concern and reason why he's slotted somewhere around, the, again, fourth to sixth round um, is that he, he ran a four five six forty. So the question with him is, does he have speed that can translate enough to the NFL? Is, is he going to be quick enough in the NFL? Um, but I think that we've seen a trend over the last couple of years that you don't necessarily have to have the downhill speed. If he can be quick and, and agile off the ball and be that, that size and have uh, good red zone production, that there's definitely a place for him. Now, in 2017, um, he had 71 receptions, 941 yards, and 10 touchdowns. I mean, mm. in, in an 11-game season, that's not really anything to sneeze at. So he had a really productive year in 2017. He's got good sides. Um, obviously, you know, the, 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 the speed is, is, you know, going to be a factor, but I think that's why he's going to slide. But if you're just looking to add a nice big bodied red zone receiver that can, you can work with on his route running to, to get him to be quick and, uh, you know, lose guys in the first couple steps off the ball, as opposed to having to try to beat him downfield. Um, and I, I think that speed is one of the most overrated qualities of a receiver. So Alan Lazard is, is my number two guy here. All right. So where do you think he might, who do you think would actually benefit most from his services? I mean, when you talk about wide receivers, you know, a couple places kind of pop to mind, like uh, the bills definitely could use some receiving help. The Packers question mark, maybe they could use some receiving help. It's unclear where they're at right now. The Cardinals certainly can use some help. The Ravens can use some help. We just talked about Cowboys even could use a little bit of help. What are your thoughts on where he might best fit in? So, I mean, I'll take one of the guys you just said, and I'll also throw out um, a team that you mentioned for the for uh, to Gray Scales there a moment ago. Um, mm-hmm. The Colts at some point have to stop drafting five foot ten speed receivers. Dorsett, uh, Moncrief, <laughs> uh, T.Y. Hilton. They've drafted the same receiver over and over and over again. And you know, all you need is T.Y. doing that position. So, you know, someone like that, if luck is back and healthy, and you give him a real red zone target. I mean, one of the things that people forget is that, you know, in uh, 2014, Dwayne Allen had the best year of his career because all he ever had – I mean, there was literally – if you watched Dwayne Allen that year, and I had him on one of my fantasy rosters, I took – I left tight end until the end, so I took Dwayne Allen. And Dwayne Allen Uh. was good for two catches for 10 yards and a touchdown every single game. So Andrew Luck is – Andrew Luck's not afraid to just throw it up to a big guy in the red zone. So if if he can go there, I think he'd be valuable. And if, if Dallas is going to move on from Dez, um, you know, Lazard could be could do some of the things that Dez does while also um, giving more of a, you know, a, a short red zone. You know, I'm talking, you know, even shorter than red zone, inside the 10 kind of deal. Because like we said, mm-hmm. Dak doesn't like, you know, Dak's not a really vertical guy. So if he can get, um, you know, a guy at 6'4 running fade routes and run off the play action with, uh, Elliot there, and then and go you know go to the corner on fade routes to a guy who's six foot four, two twenty seven. I think that could be a really good fit for them as well. Right, right. I agree with all that. It sounds like a it sounds like a interesting thing to keep a, keep an eye on. There are a lot of teams actually that could use wide receivers, so I'm sure there are a lot of folks who might actually drive up his draft stock come draft day. So let's go ahead and, and pivot. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna throw out a couple names here uh, that are actually more like third fourth rounders, and I and I want to get your thoughts on that because I know how you like the big, tall, physical receivers. But I'm going to name one guy who's not one of those, but I think he's going to get overlooked a little bit, and that's uh, Deion Kane from Clemson. He's, he's 6'2", only 6'2", and 202 pounds. But he is uh, one of those guys who's been really big in big-time games, and he's actually uh, had, had uh, learned a lot from his teammate Mike Williams about how to separate. He's done run some great routes. He's a great route runner, good speed, good verticals. 
been uh, and, and is really good at fighting for the ball. Talented after the catch, great yards after the catch, and he has relatively good size. Not big size, not like the guys you like, but relatively good size. Uh, and he tends to really fight for the ball. The one big problem, of course, is he had some off-field issues. He did have suspensions for failing a drug test early on in his career and did miss some uh, some some postseason action, so to speak, bowl games because of that. So what are your thoughts uh, on Deion Kane out of Clemson? Do you think that he is someone that you would want to consider in the third round? I mean, it's a little bit earlier than uh, maybe you want to go, but is that someone you would consider even for, like, the Patriots? I mean, I'd rather look at him in the fourth or fifth round. I mean, most of the sites I've seen project him around, you know, somewhere three to five. And if you can get him on the lower end, um, that's where I really see his value. I mean, as far as off-the-field drug stuff, I mean, I never shy away from guys like that. I mean, sometimes, you know, again, if it's habitual, like a Josh Gordon, or, you know, they get into the heavy stuff like Aaron Hernandez, then, yeah, it's a cause for concern. But the guys who are doing it lightly and get get caught or whatever, that, to me, it's it's 2018. I could care less. Um, (laughs) You know, 6'2 is not undersized. I mean, the receiver that I don't like, I don't like, you know, I'm not a Deshaun Jackson guy. Don't give me 5'10". With a four three forty, you know the I've already forgotten his name. The kid out of the kid out of Washington last year, or two years ago, whatever it was. I've, I purposely with Josh Doxton, I think it was whatever. I purposely tried yeah. not to remember his name because I just don't I don't appreciate receivers like that. But six two is good <laughs> enough size for me. Two hundred pounds. That's a guy who can who can battle for balls and go over the middle. Um, you know, so if you get him a little bit later, get his character things. I'm just a little bit down on that program right now because uh-huh. I know he had a back injury last year, but in the couple games when Mike Williams came back. Um, and I know it's hard to fit into an offense that late in the year, but he just looks lost out there. And so if Mike Williams looks like that, what is Deion King going to look like? So um, that would be my one pause and hesitation on him is that, you know, sometimes programs have good offenses and produce good receivers at the college level, and it just doesn't translate. And, you know, my, my fear would be that maybe that's, you know, what uh, Dabo Sweeney's, uh, you know, his, his receivers are going to look like in the NFL going forward. So um, right. that would be my cause for concern. But if you can get him middle – fourth round or beyond then you know i mean obviously he's worth uh he's worth a pick there all right so let me flip back over to you and why don't you give us the last guy you had in your mind as far or the last couple guys you had in your mind as far as deep draft picks yeah so i only had one more and this guy's projected to go third to fifth round josh uh sweat out of um florida state uh big bodied super athletic super talented defensive end um five and a half sacks last year i love that he also had three passes batted um, which shows that, you know, he's he had 12 and a half tackles for a loss, five and a half sacks, and three passes battled. So, you know, if you put that all together, that's really 15 and a half plays that he was really disruptive. Um, he's had some knee injury concerns, though, which is always scary when you have a lineman uh, battling, you know, uh, kind of repetitive knee injuries. Um, it's a game that's going to grind on that part of your body, coming in and out of the stance, going up against tackles, the leverage you need. So that's obviously a concern, but he's projected third to fifth round. So again, I'd say the same range. If you can get him the fourth, uh, you know, midway through the fourth round or lower, that he's a guy worth rolling the die on. All right. So, and you have any thoughts on where you think he might end up or where he might fit in? Um, yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be boring. Keep talking to the same teams, but I think he'd be a good fit in Indianapolis. Uh, yep. The Patriots taking a yep. kind of a mid round flyer on him to just kind of add to the mix with with Derek Rivers and. Uh, Dietrich Wise and and that and that whole crew with uh, Trey Flowers. That's just another good athletic guy. I mean, the last guy that they rolled the, the, the dice on was uh, Dominique Easley with his knee injuries, and that that obviously didn't pan out. But maybe 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 go fifty percent, and it works out with uh, with Josh here. 
Yeah, I, I think that would be interesting to see where he ends up. And I think he can be a difference maker uh, slotting in almost immediately. Let me throw out a name at you that I thought was really interesting. I did a little research on this, and this guy kind of jumped out at me uh, unexpectedly. I watched him play, but I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him. He's a tight end from Wisconsin, Troy. And here we go, Fumagalli. Fumagalli, that's Troy Fumagalli. So he uh, actually is one of the best tight end hands in the country. I mean, just if you look at... His stats, he's, been, he's incredible, and he only has nine fingers. Believe it or not, he's missing an index finger because of his birth defect and uh, was second team all Big Ten in his junior year, 47 passes, 580 yards, two scores, was a Cotton Bowl offensive MVP that year um, after catching six throws for 83 yards and a touchdown in that victory and really, really standing out as a great blocking tight end as well. He does a really good job kind of holding and sustaining blocks and uh, really does a great job working second level as a pass catcher. I think that Troy... Uh, Fumagalli actually is someone who can be had in the fourth or fifth round. And I think if you get him in the fourth round, he could be a difference maker right away. I know you probably don't have any thoughts on, on him, but what do you think about drafting a tight end in the fourth or fifth round? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's where you should. I mean, it's a pretty weak tight end class, but you know, this is a guy who's six four, two forty seven. 247. Um, he did have 46 catches, 547 yards and four touchdowns. So he's productive in 2017. Um, my my only pause would be, you know, it's a preconceived notion. You, you you say tight end out of the out of the Big Ten conference, and that scares me. So that's that's where I land <laughs> on uh, Magali there. Yeah, I think he actually could be a pick for the Texans since they don't have a first round pick. He could be somebody that could slide in right away. They don't really have a great tight end there, and he can help keep Deshaun uh, Watson safe because he's a great blocking tight end as well. So we are out of time. So uh, why don't you give us your Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you. Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time, or follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield NE and check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. And you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. Follow our mock draft at, at hashtag FGT mock draft. And that article will be coming soon with all our, all our friends from the, fa- uh, the uh, beer-fueled fantasy football podcast and urban sports scene. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week. We made it a whole week without technical difficulties. I know. It's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a record. Of course, now that you say that, you You're realize the next show is going to be crap, right? <laughs> we're going to have 15 minutes of silence next week. <laughs> and I'm going, for, I'm going for a record. If you're going to be bad, you know, go bad. <laughs> See you next week.